0: Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave, in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 745 for release on Sunday, June 4th, 2023. On WaveScan today, the radio scene on an American garbage island, part one. Also, Typhoon Mawar ravages Guam, wandering the world with the radio, part four, and our Japan DX report. Well, last week here in Wayscan, we presented the story about the radio scene on Garbage Island, or Tilifashi Island, out there in the Indian Ocean. And this week, we present the radio scene on another garbage island, the American Garbage Island. The American Garbage Island is administratively integrated as a borough or a suburban area within the city of New York, though the actual geographic location of the island itself is snug against the shores of the state of New Jersey. The American Garbage Island is identified as Staten Island. Here's Ray Robinson with the story.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Staten Island is triangular in shape, 14 miles long and 7 miles wide, with a total land area of just 60 square miles. An additional five small islands nearby, all uninhabited, form part of the Staten Island Geographic Complex. Five major road and railway bridges join Staten Island, both to the rest of New York and to the state of New Jersey, although many commuters to Manhattan take the iconic yellow ferries. In prehistoric times, Staten Island was occupied by the peoples of the North American Indian tribe known as Lenape, or Delaware Indians. The first European contact with Staten Island was in 1520 when the Italian explorer Giovanni da Verrazzano entered New York harbour in the French vessel Dauphine. He was sailing the Atlantic on behalf of King Francois I, the King of France. Eight years later he was on another voyage of exploration to the New World and he anchored at an island in the Caribbean where he went ashore and sadly while there he was captured, killed and eaten by cannibals. In 1661, the Dutch established their first colony on Staten Island. And then in 1667, the Dutch colonies in the New World were ceded to Great Britain after the end of the Dutch War against England. In 1777, British and American forces fought each other for the island and eventually in 1898, Staten Island became one of the five boroughs of New York City. The population living on Staten Island these days is around half a million. In 1946, the tidal wetlands covering three and a half square miles were purchased by New York City for use as a temporary landfill area, and the first dumping took place two years later in April 1948. By 1955, just seven years later, the Staten Island garbage dump was the largest landfill in the world. In 1986, it was reported that 29,000 tonnes of residential waste was dumped on Staten Island every day. There were four mounds of refuse waste and the highest mound reached 500 feet high. In total, 50 million tonnes of wastage had been dumped on Staten Island and it was the largest man-made structure on planet Earth. A major problem, a danger problem, had arisen, and that was the horde of rats and feral dogs that had raided the area. The last dump on the Saturn Island landfill occurred on March 22nd, 2001, though the area was open temporarily to receive 1.6 million tonnes of damaged building material, resulting from the infamous nine eleven attacks on the World Trade Centre in Manhattan. The Staten Island landfill reclamation area is currently under development as a public park and residential location. As we look at the radio scene on Staten Island, we choose three different radio station strategies that have formed part of the public electronic outreach on the island. However, for today we examine the preliminary experiments in wired radio programming that were conducted before the more widely implemented experiments on Staten Island itself. Going back to the year 1922, a commercial organisation known as the North American Company obtained a 60-day temporary experimental licence from Major General George O. Squire for the installation of wireless equipment in Cleveland, Ohio. In that preliminary experiment, radio programming was produced in a central studio and presented to listeners via an already established electrical wire or cable distribution system. The preliminary experiment in Cleveland, Ohio was successful, and a follow-up series with more elaborate tests was conducted in Washington, D.C. Program distribution was again via an already established citywide electric wire system, this time with the local Potomac Electric Company. Receivers were installed at the Bureau of Standards, WWV, in Washington, D.C., and also in Chevy Chase and elsewhere in D.C. and Maryland. That second series of wired radio tests in Washington, D.C. was also successful and plans were then implemented for a full-scale, commercially viable wired radio system for New Jersey, Connecticut and New York. The New York project was planned for Staten Island and that's where we'll pick up the story for part two in this topic here in Wavescan next week.
0: Thank you, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Tropical
2: storm warning and typhoon watch continue for Saipan and Tinian. A flood watch is in effect for Guam and the northern Mariana Islands. typhoon force winds and torrential rain persist. Considerable wind damage to of light material occurring along with localized flash flooding. Possibility of landslides. Significant coastal erosion is likely, particularly on western shorelines. Malwar's southern eye wall is pivoting over Guam this evening. typhoon force winds and torrential rain persist. That's the latest from the Weather Service. Thank you for tuning in this evening. Stay with us here on JOY-FM.
0: That was an announcement broadcast on JOY-FM, the FM station affiliated with Adventist World Radio in Guam, on May 24th. Typhoon Mawar hit the U.S. territory of Guam on that date. The Red Cross said the Pacific Island was heavily impacted with intense winds, flooding, rain, and a life-threatening storm surge. Mawar was the largest, strongest storm to strike the region in two decades. Guam has a population of more than 150,000 people, many of whom live in coastal communities. Most of Guam was without power, as sustained 140 mile per hour winds whipped across the island. Electricity, water and communications, including internet services, were unavailable after the storm passed. There are several major U.S. military facilities on Guam which were also affected. All military aircraft either left the island before the storm or were placed in protective hangars. Most military ships left as well. There are two large shortwave stations on Guam, KSDA, which is owned by Adventist World Radio, and KTWR, which is owned by Transworld Radio. Both were severely affected by the typhoon. Brooke Powers at KSDA tells us, We are focusing on getting the antennas back up. We had damage to four of the five antennas. Antenna 2 just had a minor repair that we were able to do in about a half hour. Antenna 5 repairs were completed on the evening of May 27th, and we were able to broadcast that night with both antennas 2 and 5 at full power. We'll be working on Antenna 1 now and hope to have the repairs completed by around June 2nd. KSDA began broadcasting in March of 1987. Here's the audio from a video that was produced about the station several years ago.
1: From a small island in the Pacific Ocean, Adventist World Radio broadcasts more than 300 hours of radio programs in two dozen languages every week, sharing God's love with millions of listeners. This facility can cover a large territory. It includes China. It includes Mongolia and the largest Muslim country, Indonesia. Transmitting programs thousands of miles by radio waves requires sophisticated equipment and capable staff. We installed
2: five new transmitters, a control system, an antenna matrix switch, and a new backup generator. Crushed rock and gravel was added to the extensive antenna fields so that we would have year-round access to maintain them, especially
1: after heavy rains or typhoons. We continue to ask God for a wall of protection around our facilities and for our staff members, so we can continue to do the work He has given us to do, using this station for the glory of God.
0: That video is about KSDA, the Adventist World Radio shortwave station on Guam. Meanwhile, at KTWR, the Transworld Radio station on the same island, Typhoon Mawar, also did extensive damage. Jose Jacob forwards a message from KTWR saying, Thankfully, TWR staff and their families stayed safe. However, damage to the facilities of KTWR was worse than originally believed. All five antennas sustained damage. Your continued prayers are appreciated.
1: Broadcasting
0: from the beautiful island of Guam. Coming up next is DX's Diary. This is KTWR, Agana Guam, where hope knows no barriers. Typhoon Mawar also did extensive damage on the island of Palau in the western Pacific Ocean. John Taylor of KVOH in Los Angeles has been in communication with Pastor Joe Perazic, who bought shortwave station T8WH in Palau from World Harvest Radio. Apparently, Pastor Perazic was stuck on Palau during the typhoon, and that station was also off the air due to storm-related damage. We're not sure if it's back on air yet or not. Maora went on to affect eastern Taiwan, and the Philippines as well. Back on May 14th, an extremely severe tropical cyclone, Mocha, made landfall in Myanmar and did severe damage. There were hundreds of fatalities. Now we have news of a special broadcast to Myanmar in the wake of that cyclone. Encompass Digital Media is broadcasting the Democratic Voice of Burma at 1230 to 1300 UTC daily, from their transmitter site in Dabaya in the United Arab Emirates, utilizing the international radio for disaster relief frequency of 21,840 kHz. Those broadcasts began on May 29th, and they're expected to last for approximately one month, providing special programming to Myanmar in response to the recent cyclone. Now some news from Jose Jacob about radio developments in South Asia. Colombo International Radio of the Sri Lanka Broadcasting Corporation has increased the hours of its broadcast from one hour to two hours on 873 kilohertz in Tamil from the 400 kilowatt Putalam transmitter. The new timing is 0130 to 0330 UTC, which is 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Indian time. This service on medium wave is very popular in the Tamil Nadu state of South India. The same transmitter is used by Transworld Radio on 882 kHz in evening hours. Here's a recording from the first day of the new schedule in Tamil.
1: (laughs) In this case, you can see SLBC radio app, Selin Oudakum, that is one of
0: the Colombo International Radio has also announced that they are going to transmit in DRM mode shortly on 1548 kHz using the old Deutsche Welle 600 kW transmitter located in Trincomalee. Here's the announcement about the proposed DRM transmission.
2: Ilanggay Uliparapu parappu kottattavanay, kollumbu sarvadhi sevuli parappu. Tamil Nadu mullu adi navina DRM tholil nupatti valambara irukkade. Digital Radio Mondial DRM tholil nupatti madhyaalai ayirathai nootru naapattettik kellahad
1: Palam Tamilin Idimayum. Puluh majin selama um semanthurum terkasih mudal wanuli Ungal ulram kawandeh ilangai wanuli DRM nawi nak thori nupatil Tamil Nadu mulubadum
0: Colombo International Radio in Sri Lanka soon to broadcast in DRM on 1548 kilohertz medium wave. Now our series Wandering the World with the Radio, Part Four. Here again is Ray Robinson.
1: Adrian writes. A few years before the beginning of the European War in the middle of last century, my father and one of his friends established a motor garage in the small town or village of Charleston, some 25 miles east of the state capital, Adelaide. The motor business was named Charleston Garage and Farm Services, a name that subsequently and unintentionally prohibited my father from entering any of the armed services during the war a few years later. The only home available for us as a family to rent was a sturdy old German house identified with the name Valley View, with its thick stone walls, a leaking valley roof and a wide ornamental veranda on two sides. Our local primary school, with all six of its students, was in close walking distance, just the other side of the railway line that cut across our country road. Opposite the motor garage was a small family shop in which postal services were available it was rumoured that the elderly woman who processed a handful of mail each day also sometimes read the contents of some of the incoming and outgoing mail. The shop and post office location served as a local bus stop for a passenger bus service that took locals to the capital city each morning and brought them home again in the late afternoon. Back then there was no TV and in order to keep up with what was going on in the world, most families bought several newspapers and magazines each week. In fact, it was considered bad taste, and perhaps even illegal, for you to read magazines and newspapers that somebody else had bought and that were not your own. The first radio periodical in my home state was the South Australia Wireless and Radio Magazine, which was launched as a monthly publication by mail newspapers in the state capital, Adelaide, and the first issue was for April 1924. Radio historians in Australia have described this publication as a very impressive magazine. Its popularity was evidenced by the fact that it became a weekly publication under the title The South Australian Wireless and Radio Weekly, beginning in January of the following year, 1925. Adrian says he holds three sample copies of this magazine, dated in August and November in 1925 and also in March of the following year, 1926, and they make very interesting reading. The front cover of each sample issue is in colour, though in the very simplistic style of that historic period. There's ample radio advertising in each issue, including a double centrefold that presents a detailed description of available radio parts. In fact, one company, the Norwood Radio Depot at 119 Norwood Parade in suburban Norwood, promised to subsidise customer purchases. For purchases above 10 shillings, equal at the time to 1 US dollar, they'd pay the customer's travel ticket on the citywide tramway system. And for purchases above 20 shillings, 1 pound or 2 US dollars, they'd pay for the shipping costs by post or by train. Among the many interesting news items in these three, almost 100-year-old, radio magazines, we find the following. The transmitter equipment for the new medium-wave 5kW 5CL at suburban Brooklyn Park was sent from the AWA factory in Sydney by freight train and by boat. The AWA engineer who installed the transmission equipment was the well-known amateur radio operator Joe Reed, VK2J. And Adrian adds that he's often viewed the 5CL Transmitter Building and the Twin Antenna Towers at Brooklyn Park, not too far from the now modern city airport at West Beach. Radio station 4QG, operated by the Queensland Government in Brisbane, began test broadcasts at full power on April 19, 1925. The station was installed by the same AWA engineer, Joe Reid. Radio listeners in South Australia reported hearing the American KDKA on a crystal set radio receiver. The Federal Treasurer, Mr James R Collins, made a radio speech in Melbourne that was broadcast from six A-class stations in Melbourne on 3LO and 3AR, in Sydney on 2BL and 2FC, in Brisbane on 4QG and in Adelaide on 5CL and that was in the era before the government-operated ABC radio network was formed. A new transmitter facility for Station 3AR in Melbourne was nearing completion at suburban Essendon, also near an airport facility. A new 50-foot self-standing tower was erected at the Adelaide Railway Station on North Terrace to support the antenna system for the railway radio station 5RI. The other end of the antenna was fastened to a pole on the top of the railway station building. In Perth, manager Walter Coxon at the commercial radio station 6WF in the West Australian Farmers Building on Wellington Street reported he frequently relayed 6WF programming via his amateur shortwave station 6AG. On Saturday, March 13th, 1926, 250 people boarded the specially chartered tugboat Leverett for an evening radio trip on the Port Adelaide River. Many radio receivers were installed on the deck, and station 5CL made a special music broadcast to honour the event. The only interstate station heard that evening was 3LO in Melbourne, though it was heard loud and clear. A listing of all medium-wave stations in Australia in 1925 shows five stations no longer on the air, two in Victoria and three in Queensland. These were 3EO in Mildura, which was a fully licensed commercial station that closed in 1926. 3WR Wangaratta became 3SR in Shepparton. 4CM in Brisbane, owned by Dr Val McDowell, this was an amateur station licensed to broadcast for a temporary period there was 4MB in Brisbane, which was a projected commercial station, but never actually built. And finally, 4RN in Brisbane, which might have been a misprint for 4RM, which is still around. And with that,
0: back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray Robinson, in Los Angeles.
2: Hello and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Shortwave Club, edited by Toshi Otake and I'm Yuki Kutsushi. We have several DX Reports from our club members this week. Radio Pilipinas from Philippines was heard on 17820 kHz on May 4th from the sign-on at 0200 to the sign-off at 0330 UTC in English. SIO rating was 454. It started with National Anthem, followed by Dateline Maracanian, PVS News at 0232, and so on. The parallel frequency 15640 kHz was SIO rating... Four five four, All India radio from Bengaluru was heard on 11560 kHz on May 7th from 1335 to the sign off at 1400 UTC in Pashto. SIO rating was a 343. Talk and music program were broadcast. There is information that the AIR has changed its station name to Akashvani. Adventist World Radio via Dushanbe, Tajikistan, was received on 15505 kHz on May 2nd, from the sign-on at 1400 to 1410 UTC in English. SIO rating was 352. ID was given at 1400, then Preach program started. Radio Iran International via Tashkent, Uzbekistan, was heard on 15630 kHz on May 11th from 1450 to 1530 UTC in Farsi. SIO rating was 453. Talk program and the songs were on the air. ID was given at 1500. FEBA FIBA Gawailon Tibetan Radio via Dabaya, UAE was heard on 15215 kHz on May 1st. From the sign-on at 11.59 with interval signal to the sign-off at 12.29 UTC in Tibetan, SIO rating was 3.53, talk program and Tibetan songs were broadcast. ID was given at 12.26. Voice of Turkey was received on 9875 kHz on May 4th from 20.29 with interval signal to 2054 UTC in English, SIO rating was 353, news and Turkish pops were aired. Interference was from Voice of Korea, which signed on at 2054 on the same frequency. Adventist World Radio via Nauen, Germany, was heard on 9555 kHz on May 1st from 2012 to to the sign-off at 2029 UTC in French. SIO rating was 353. Preaching male voice was on the air. ID was given at 2016. BBC World Service via Tarata Boronondri, Madagascar, was received on 25900 kHz on May 10th from the sign-on at 1159 to 1215 UTC in French. SIO rating was 252. It signed on with a talk program by a female announcer. Time signal was heard at 1200, then a talk program by a male announcer started, followed by an interview. VOA via Botswana was heard on 17530 kHz on May 11th from 1535 to the sign off at 1600 UTC in English. SIO rating was 453. Talk and pop music program were broadcast. ID was given at 1542. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSL cards by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at live.jp i repeat, jswcqsl at J P. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K-A-M-A-K-U-R-A, Postal Code 248-8691, JAPAN. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we'd like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, and Mr. Chiaki Shimada for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan shortwave Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo.
0: we we'll in WaveScan today with music from the group Hyarrison of New Caledonia in the South Pacific. The song is Como en font Like a Child. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, part two regarding the radio scene on Staten Island and our Philippine DX report. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in California, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at AWR. Dot O-R-G. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.